morning, everyone. It's good to be with you today. I want to invite you to turn over with me to 1 Kings, and we're going to be taking a look at chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. And in this section, we are learning about the second king and David's family after himself, his son Solomon, who takes the throne. This does not come easily. There's some squabbling and some fighting in the family. Who's going to take over for dad now that David has passed? And it was David's will as well as the Lord's that it be Solomon. And Solomon takes over and is young in his own eyes. And we read of this encounter starting in 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 5. A Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and God said, Ask for whatever you want from me and I will give it to you. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. So God said to him, Since you had not asked for this, since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. This is the reading of God's Word. You may be seated. We do not have Kingdom Kids today. We're on our summer rotation. So every other week we offer that ministry for kiddos who are four years old through second grade. Um, but today is their week off. And so we will enjoy maybe a few more noises and sounds and that is a wonderful thing so there's no problem whatsoever parents don't don't be worried about that at all we've got a, a few noisemakers in our pew as well so it's no big deal no big deal uh, before we dive into what God has for us today I want to invite you to pray with me if you would can we pray together Father God, you know none of us know what it's like to be king over a nation. But God, you know the pressures we feel. You know the challenges we walked into this place 
with. You know the things that keep us up at night, things we worry about, things we fear. You know that we know what it's like to feel like we're in over our heads. And I'm convinced, Father, even just thinking about the words of your servant Paul that we read about this week in our reading, that to be weak is to recognize that there is only one who can give strength, and that is you. So we can boast that we are weak because in our weakness, you are strong. I pray that through learning more about Solomon's story, we would become convinced of that. That it is not up to what we can do, not up to our own natural resources, our own mind, our own thinking, our own wisdom, discernment. Father, that you do not leave us to figure out this life that you've called us to on our own. We, like Saul, or Solomon, can cry out to you. You hear those cries and you respond. Bring to mind those places in our life where we need your intervention. And help us throughout this morning as we consider this story of Solomon to just prayerfully be speaking to you about those areas that, that we know we need your help. Give us the comfort, Father, of knowing that if you would be willing to send your son Jesus to die for us, there is no good thing that you will withhold from us. And for that, we give thanks. And in this, we ask for your help. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, as I said in the prayer, we don't necessarily know the pressures of being a king over a vast nation of what would have been well over a million people, maybe a couple million. I don't know what that's like, but I do remember when I was first uh, on staff at a church. I've shared this story with some of you before, but I graduated high school and I had an opportunity to serve at a small church just 10 miles down the road from where I grew up. And I took that position as their summer intern, which became a, uh, as temporary as it could be, a temporary, or as permanent as it could be. I became from summer intern to their permanent youth minister at 18. I remember the first summer I was there, I couldn't, I couldn't drive the church vehicles I couldn't go to camp by myself. I was only 18. I had to have other people help me out with all that stuff. And, and I did feel something. Not all, I can't say I know what it's like to be a king or anything like that. Much like you. But I knew something of the weight and pressure of being in a position that I knew I'm in over my head. And that's just one story that comes to mind. And I bet you can relate to that. Maybe your first full-time job or maybe entering into college or high school or junior high for that matter. And you have that sinking feeling like, I don't have what it takes to do this well. When you get married, I remember being shocked that they let us take 
a child home from the hospital. Yes, we gave birth to it. Well, one of us did. But still, this is, this is a bad idea. We have no experience. Like you got to, it feels like you got to have, you know, more background checks to get an animal than to take home a, a human being that just send you out there with, with nothing. And you know that feeling. If you've, if you've had that privilege of feeling like, my goodness, how am I ever going to do this? Right? I think every human being knows that feeling of I'm in over my head. And what will we do? That's what Solomon is expressing here. He says, I'm a child. I have no idea what to do. I've got all these millions of people relying on me to be a good king. And my dad was like the best of them, King David. He was an impressive figure. And now they've got me. God comes to Solomon in a dream. And he says to Solomon, I'm going to grant you one wish. No, that's not what he says. He says, he says ask for anything and I will give it to you. I don't know if this was like a test, maybe. But it does get you thinking, like, you know, what if God came to you in a dream and said that? What if God came to you today or tonight? Or for me, this afternoon, right after lunch, when we get our Mexican food and I'm laying on the couch. You know, when you, whenever you get that next shut-eye, and God comes to you and says to you, Ask me for anything, and I will give it to you. Right? It reminds me of a meme I saw on Facebook while we were at camp, trying to go off, drift off to sleep, and I was reading this meme. And let me see if I can get it right. I showed it to Josh. Remember this one? And it, and it, had, uh, it had this guy praying. And he says, he says God, I'd like, to get, I'd like to have the chance to prove everybody wrong. I'd like to have the chance to show them that when I win the lottery, I won't change. Give me the chance, Lord. Like, would that, you know, that's silly, I know. But, like, what would your request be, though? Like, seriously, like, for real, what is that one thing that if you knew God's answer was yes, what would you ask? What would it be? And of course, you probably answer that differently in different phases of life, right? But what would it be right now? You walk through these doors and there's probably some area of your life in which you feel like you are a little bit in over your head, maybe a lot. What would your request be? Now, God knows, probably because he's heard this request from probably a number of kings in the past, he knew what the options were, right? I'd like to have great wealth. I'd like to have more resources than everybody around. I'd like to have great wealth. I'd like to be super powerful and be able to defeat my enemies. Or if you could just strike them down for me, I wouldn't have to do it. That'd be awesome. So I'd like to have victory over my enemies. Or, you know, it'd be really cool if I lived a long time. Some of you are doing that, and you're like, that ain't so great. But I understand. What would you ask for? Live a long life? Have lots of money? Victory over the enemies? These would have been things that kings probably had asked God for before. And he knew those were the options laid out before Solomon. And Solomon doesn't ask for any of those. And they all seem pretty reasonable, right? Like, you think about it, it's like, yeah, those would be really good to have. Especially if you're a king. You need the resources. Enemies are a threat. 
If you're a good king, you want to sit on that throne, even if you're a bad king. But the country needs a good king for a long time. That would be a benefit to everybody if you live long, right? But that's not what Solomon asked for, is it? Solomon asks in a word for wisdom. Now, I said before, you know, when I first started out in ministry at 18 years old, there was a verse that stuck out in my mind and it became the most important verse to me for a number of years. And it's still a very important one. But it comes out of the book of James, James chapter 1 verse 5. In it, James makes this promise. And because we believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who inspires the authors of Scripture, we believe it's God making this promise through James. And what is this promise? Is this, if you ask for wisdom, if anyone, anyone asks for wisdom, you'll get it. James says, if any of one, any one of you asks for wisdom, if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And I clung to that promise. Because I needed wisdom. I needed to know what to do. I have responsibility for these students. You feel that way if you're parents. I have, respons- I have a spiritual responsibility to my children. I have a responsibility to those I employ. I have a responsibility to those in my household. You may feel that you lack the wisdom to carry out that responsibility well. And here is the promise of God. That if you ask for wisdom... He will give it to you without finding fault. I always love that part of the verse because I think, you know, sometimes we ask for wisdom and then God gets it and then God gives it to us and then we do something really stupid, like a really boneheaded decision. And you think, well, I asked for wisdom and I knew better, but I blew it. I can't go back and ask God for more wisdom. Yes, you can. It's right there. God's not going to say, well, I already gave you wisdom, so that's it. You're on your own now. No, it says without finding fault. We can keep coming back and back to God asking for the wisdom that we need. And that's what I would do. Over and over again, I would come to God and ask Him for wisdom because I felt I was in over my head and I needed His help. Of course, if you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it comes to mind, doesn't it? Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Another promise from God. That maybe if you don't fill in over your head, maybe you don't understand the assignment God's given you. Because maybe the assignment God's given you should make you fill in over your head. Should make you realize that He's asking you to do more than you can do on your own. I think God loves to make us uncomfortable. I think those are the very moments where there is opportunity for growth because we're no longer relying on ourselves, but we're relying on God. And who could... Who could understand that better than Solomon? Who felt like a a child given responsibility over a kingdom following such a great king, his father, David. So I want to talk a little bit about this wisdom. God says, because you've asked for a discerning heart to administer justice, I am going to give this to you. 
And because you were wise enough to ask for wisdom, I'm going to give you the other stuff too. Only one of them's conditional. At the end we read, if you walk in obedience to me, verse 14, and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will also give you a long life. Victory over enemies, wealth, long life. Because he asked for the most important thing first, wisdom. So let's talk about wisdom. Let's talk about where it comes from. What it is, the difference it makes, how we can get it. I'm going to share some scripture with you, uh, several verses as we go through. And so maybe just jot these down. You're welcome to turn there if you want, but maybe jot them down and look them up later. Proverbs is known as the book of wisdom. In fact, some believe that Proverbs is the training manual given to leaders in Israel. If you're going to be king or in a leadership position in Israel, you need to have wisdom like Solomon. Here, we've written it down, we put it in a book, read it and live it, right? So it's natural for us to turn to Proverbs to find this wisdom. The wisdom that Solomon himself had. And in fact, Solomon was uh, a big part of writing the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2. The one writing Proverbs, uh, the, the picture is a father speaking to a son. The father says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Elsewhere we read that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, the reverence, humble, respectful recognition for who God is. And finally in verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Where does wisdom come from? It comes from God. That's where wisdom comes from. God is the author of all wisdom. So when the promise of James is made to us, what does it tell us to do? If you lack wisdom, who do you ask? God. God asks Solomon, what do you want? And who does he ask for that wisdom? He asks God. The writer of this proverb is teaching their son, whether that's literal or figurative, that it is the Lord. It is the Lord who gives wisdom. So we may want to know, where does wisdom come from? Now, I'll be honest with you, there are more than one source of wisdom, but it all leads back to God, right? I can gain wisdom just by living and learning, making mistakes and making good decisions. I can observe through experience wisdom. Ultimately, that is coming from God. That is how God has created the world to be, and I'm learning from experience just living in His world. But that wisdom comes from Him, right? I can gain wisdom from others. I can learn from you. If I sit down and heard your life story and the things you've been through and the things God has taught you, guess what I'm going to get if I have my ears open? I'm going to glean from you some wisdom. 
Now, if it's true wisdom, it's going to align with God, and that's where you got it from, whether you may recognize it or not. It all is coming from God. And so I'm getting that wisdom from God, but maybe it comes through another person. It may come through experience. It may come through another person. But it is the Word of God that we go to again and again for the wisdom of God. It is the Bible. It is the scriptures. That's where we turn to again and again. That's actually how I measure my experience. Because I may do something dumb and it turns out good, right? That happens. I make a mistake, but hey, it was a happy mistake. Look at what... Doesn't necessarily mean I did something wise. And if I keep making that same bad decision, it will catch up to me. So I have to gauge my experience by the word of God because my experience may be off sometimes. If you give me something that you think is wise, but it turns out that it's not all that wise after all, I've got to know the Word of God so that I can filter through what you're saying to me so that I know that what you're saying aligns with what God has said. I can't do that without the Bible. So while God will share wisdom with me from lots of different places, the primary place I gain wisdom from God is through Scripture. And the primary way I filter all other sources of wisdom that are coming my way is through Scripture. Wisdom comes from God, and it comes primarily to us through Scripture. But what is wisdom? Another great place to find some words of wisdom in the Scriptures is Psalms. Psalm 119 is actually a beautiful, it's the longest chapter in the whole Bible. It's the longest psalm in the whole Bible, obviously. If it's the longest chapter, it's the longest psalm. Uh, You read all of Psalm 119, and you know what you're going to find out? This whole chapter is about what? The Bible. Now, it's going to use different words, decrees, statutes, laws. But it's all talking about God has communicated truth to us. Now, through the years, we have been handed this Bible. At the time, they would have had scrolls. But they would have had the truth of God before them in some fashion. And basically, Psalm 119 is a love letter to God thanking Him for His Word to us. That's what it is. Psalm 119, 105 says this. Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. How many of you heard that before? You heard that? We were looking at an old VBS picture and we, we came across when Rosemary had the kids do a little craft and they made a little flashlight out of probably toilet paper tube because almost everything at VBS is made out of some kind of toilet paper tube. And uh, they created this little flashlight and, I, and I'd almost bet that's the verse that was on there, probably, most likely. All right, we, we've heard this verse, we know this. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now what is that saying? It's saying scripture is like a guide showing us where we need to go and what steps we need to take so that we can get from point A to point B safely. I think one of my favorite definitions of wisdom highlights what's going on here in Psalm 119, 105. And it is this, wisdom is skilled living. It's being skilled at living life. Now, what does that mean? It means you know how to get from point A to point B without stepping in a hole, without getting off the path, without wandering off into some thistles, right? 
you're able to get from here to here safely. You have the skill necessary to do that. We already read that that comes from God's word. What is wisdom? It's skilled living, able to walk the path God has called us to walk in a way that keeps us safe. Turns out this is true. Now, some of you have heard me share this before, but I'm going to share it again today. When we first started out on this Bible reading plan, January, uh, first Sunday in January, we began talking about reading the Bible together. We're reading a little bit. We're reading a chapter out of the Old Testament, a chapter out of the New Testament, and we're reading out of either Psalms or Proverbs. We're cycling through that, right? And so each day we're reading three chapters a day, and out of a week's worth of reading, I am preaching on some section of that reading we've done, and I've pretty much stuck with the Old Testament. And as I've thought and prayed about it, what I'd like to do is then turn back January of next year and let's work through the New Testament and preach from the New Testament together for a whole year and look at the whole picture of uh, from Matthew to Revelation. And when we got this kicked off, I talked about one of the important reasons. Uh, for engaging in a Bible reading plan, right? And I, and I mentioned to you an extensive study that was done by the Center of Biblical Engagement. And I want you to hear again, if you didn't hear it that time, or maybe, I think I referenced it maybe a time or two as well. If you didn't hear it those times, hear this again. It turns out that if you want to live skillfully, if you want to live wisely then reading God's word is essential. If you have a plan, this is what they say in the study, if you have a plan, a Bible reading plan, which we do, if you want it, you can go get it, fbck.org slash Bible. You can pick one up on the table as you go. If you have a plan and execute it, reading the Bible at least four times a week, on your own, right? At least four four times a week. Reading the Bible once, twice, or three times doesn't have the same impact as reading it at least four times a week. If you do that, you might expect the following. Those who read the Bible at least four times a week, they find that they are less lonely. They measured those not reading the Bible. They had them read it daily or at least four times a week. And 30% drop in a sense of loneliness. 32% drop in a sense of anger. 40% drop in bitterness and close relationships. 57% drop in the, uh, when it comes to the grip of alcohol in one's life. Sexual sin dropped 68%. Spiritual, de- spiritual stagnancy dropped 60%. Sharing one's faith jumped 200% and obedience to the commands of Scripture jumped 230%. Now what I take from that, which is the obvious point, is that when you read God's Word, guess what? You will live wisely. You'll be equipped to live wisely. Skilled living. Essential to skilled living is to be in God's Word on a regular basis basis. Now, I want to encourage you because I know at this point you may be thinking, you know, well, there may be a few things that are happening. Maybe you feel guilty. Can I just say, just don't feel guilty. 
Guilt doesn't help you do anything long term. I don't know if you notice this, uh, but it just doesn't work. It may spur you to do something today, but if you want to make like a lifelong change, guilt doesn't work. Shame doesn't work. So if there's any feelings of shame or guilt, all the enemy's going to do, he's going to use that to block out everything else that you're going to hear and what God wants to say to you in the next few moments. So just set that aside. Set all guilt and shame, feeling like a failure, feeling bad about Just set all of it aside, okay? What I want to encourage you to do, though, is to see the beauty of engaging God's Word. Not motivated, motivated by guilt and shame. I want us to be motivated to engage with God's Word because it is a wonderful, amazing, incredible thing that we get to encounter God through His written Word. Going back to Proverbs. Proverbs 4-5 says this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Now if you just read that, you kind of scratch your head like, hmm, What? The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. What, what, is this, what, what is the writer of Proverbs saying? He's saying the very, you know, like that saying that we have sometimes, the, very, the most important step uh, to getting help is to admit that you need it. That's kind of what this is saying. The very most important step of, it, of, of gaining wisdom is to admit that you need it. Is to say that you need that wisdom. And maybe God is pressing that in on you. You're, he, he's reminding you of some of those places in your life where you do feel in over your head and you're not sure what to do. And God wants to grant you that wisdom. It's going to come through His Word. And that's why the writer of Proverbs goes on to say in Proverbs 4, verse 5, Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Another way of saying wisdom. Psalm 119.14 says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. The word of God is saying the word of God to you is incredibly valuable. If you have ever found something incredibly, incredibly valuable and you can get that thing, you would be foolish not to, right? If you have the opportunity to gain something of great value... You had the chance to get something that was worth a lot. It would be silly not to get that thing. Well, in this case, the wisdom God wants to give us is accessible to us. And it is a wonderful, great thing because we need it. And God gives it to us through His Word. Though it costs you all you have, Get this understanding. Get this wisdom from God. Though it costs you that series on Netflix, get this wisdom from God. Though it costs you your social media account, get this wisdom from God. Though it costs you some of the recreational things you like to do, get this wisdom from God. Though it costs you sleep, get this wisdom from God. Not so you won't feel guilty, not so you won't be ashamed. Not so that you can be proud. Look what I can do. No, no, no. Because, see, God wants you to have wisdom. And you know, I hope you know, we need it. We need wisdom desperately to live the life God has called us to do. We can't do that in our own understanding. We need God's understanding. And He wants to give it to us. And that is... What we see in Jesus himself. 
that God cares about us. Our life matters to Him. He wants us to be on that path. He wants us to have the light we need. He doesn't want to see us trip in a hole or fall into the bushes or take a a different path that someone else has laid out for us. He doesn't want that for us. He loves us so much, He wants to see us be on the right path. He wants to see us live wisely. And you know what He did? He said, I'm going to come down there and help you. I'm going to come as a message from God the Father. Jesus comes as the message from God the Father saying, this is the way to live. Let me show you the steps I'm calling you to take. It's what we are told in the letter to the church in Corinth by Paul. He says, Christ is the wisdom of God. He is the one who not only knows how to live skillfully, but is willing to come from heaven to earth to depart that wisdom to you and I. Not only that, but we learn from Scripture out of, chapter, out of John chapter 1, verse 14, that God is the Word, or Jesus is the Word of God, come from heaven to earth. He is the message coming down to us. He is Scripture to us. God's words to us that we might know how He has called us to live. So here's my encouragement to you. Read. Read every day. If you miss a day and you're going to, I was at camp. I missed missed a couple days. I had to get caught up today. Uh, It happens. Don't worry about it. Just catch up. You may say, well, I can't jump in on an annual or a yearly Bible reading plan in the middle of the year. Yes, you can. Why can't you? Just read what's written down for today. Read what is written down for tomorrow, tomorrow. And then as you have time, read the stuff that you missed from the beginning of the year. And I bet in a year's time, or in six months' time, you can catch up. This is not, you don't have to do this perfect. Okay? Give yourself freedom from thinking you've got to do this perfectly. You don't. Just do it. Just do it. Who among you rode a bike perfectly the first time? Nobody. You're going to have some stumbles. You're going to fall off here or there. It's going to be a little wobbly. So what? That's how you learn. It's the same way with the Bible. Don't don't not do it because you don't know how to do it. That's how you will learn how to do it. Pick it up. Use the plan. Read three chapters a day. Do it today. Do it tomorrow. Do it the next day. Set aside time in your life to do it. Pick it. Pick a time of the day and a place in that day. Get the resources you need and just make that commitment. Set an alarm on your phone. Let, let those you live with know. This, I'm going to do my Bible reading during this time. Marshall and I have to communicate that sometimes. I know she's in there doing Bible reading, so I shut the door, try to keep the kids out, let her focus. But do that every day. Because God wants to meet you there. He wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to give you the wisdom you need to live life skillfully. He doesn't want to see you out there just trial and error, making lots of mistakes and, 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 and uh, you know, feeling all alone in the journey of life that he's called you. No, no, no. He wants to walk with you through all those trials and errors and help you learn a little bit quicker than you would by yourself, right? He wants to walk with you in that. One of the primary ways he wants to do that is through Scripture. And so that's why the Bible says the Bible is like silver, like jewels, 
It's worth it. It's worth it because God speaks to us through it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you for the story of Solomon that reminds us that kings and normal folks like us, we need wisdom to know how to live well, and it does not come from us. We can't get it anywhere else besides you. And you may bring that wisdom to us through a lot of avenues, but we know, God, that the primary way you speak to us is through the Scriptures. And I pray that you'd help us just just spark that desire. Help us to enact a plan. Don't let this thought go from our minds that if we are not yet engaging in Scripture reading every day, that it is an invaluable place not only to learn how to live well, but to enjoy a relationship with you. Because if anything else you have shown us in the Bible is that you want a relationship with us despite our sinfulness, despite our hard-headedness, despite our foolishness, you want a relationship with us and that is why Jesus came to die for us and the word of God comes from heaven to earth for us. Help us to keep Engaging in that relationship through reading the word, the scriptures for ourselves. That we might connect with you and that we might live for you. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.